0: I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you wanna hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hello, and welcome back everybody to the podcast. I am really excited to have Connie Biasalski here with us today. Connie is a creative entrepreneur, writer, author, YouTuber, and photographer who is on a mission to help others explore themselves, overcome inner blocks, and share their creative gifts with the world. She is passionate about mindfulness, breathwork, plant medicine, psychology, philosophy, and the creative process. Many years of depression, anxiety, and chronic pain motivated her to experiment with endless healing modalities and to learn from a variety of teachers all around the world. She runs the Create podcast and is the co-creator of The Breath Circle. You'll hear in the interview today that Connie shares openly that she and I worked together for many years in a coaching relationship. Connie is originally from Germany, and she has spent the last many years of her life as a digital nomad working and creating relationships and learning and having experiences all over the world from Bali to Mexico to all over Europe and the United States. She is an inspiration to listen to, she is honest, she is revealed, and she has so much insight and wisdom to share from everything she's experienced along the way. I've really come to know and love and trust Connie so deeply, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome, Connie. I am so happy to have you here today, and I'm wondering if you can let our guests know where you're calling in from and a little snapshot into your world. Yeah, thanks so much, Emma. I'm so
1: happy to be here. And I am currently in the south of Germany in a small little town. I'm sitting this whole thing out uh, with my family. And it is a beautiful spring day and um, blue skies. And it's a really awesome, beautiful Monday afternoon. So let's do
0: this. Sounds really great. So every time I have a new person on the podcast, I like to have them start out by sharing a little bit about their early life as a girl and kind of just give us a little bit of a sense of what family you were born into and what your identity was like as a young person and were you already thinking about gender and your role as a woman or were those things that came online later? And how did you feel about being female? What were the messages that you were getting right off the bat?
1: Hmm, Great question. Thank you. So yeah, I was born, so I'm 36. I was born in 1983 and I was born into a family where there was already someone, uh, a sibling And she wasn't too happy to not be a single child anymore. So um, I think my start in this family was a little bit rocky because um, there was someone who was fighting for a lot of the attention um, of my parents. And so my sister was, she was three years older and she was more of a Uh, I guess she was very attached to my mother. And so the only person that was left, really, was my dad. So I became daddy's girl. And because he grew up with only brothers, he didn't really know how to be with girls. So he raised me basically as a boy. And so then I, um, I really don't remember too many details of my childhood, to be honest, but I do remember very well that I always wanted to be a boy <laughs> and uh, I loved wearing boys' clothes and I always wanted to have short hair. I found it so annoying when hair got longer and it was in my face. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, I, my mom tried really hard to, um, to look like a girl and I actually the other day, uh, it's funny that you asked because the other day I went through my like childhood and baby photo album And, uh, the first few years, you know, very much as a girl and she put me in all these dresses and, and then eventually there was a turning point, uh, probably when I was, when my will grew stronger and my voice louder. And so, um, I demanded to wear, uh, boys clothes and have short hair and, and yeah, my mom went with it. And. Um, so then I also remember that me and my sister argued a lot and that I spent quite a lot of time alone and like um, but also enjoying that and um, so I you know when I think about gender I just always followed my just what felt natural to me and I didn't realize that that wasn't right. Like wanting as a girl, wanting to just not wear dresses, wanting to not have long hair. Um, because I remember we were in a restaurant one day and I might've been maybe five or six or something. And, and then I went into the girl's bathroom, but I, I I guess I must have looked like a boy. And so someone came in and thought I was a boy and wanted to throw me out. And I said, no, 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 but I'm a girl. Like I, I wanted to identify as a girl. I just didn't want to look like one, you know? And so, well, you didn't want to look like the me.
0: the prescriptive mm. version of the girl.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and so that really stuck with me, that memory. And so, yeah, over the years I tried out all different ways of being and looking and, and yeah, experimenting with gender. And, and now here we are today, um, <laughs> just kind of living
0: somewhere in the gray zones, I guess. And how how would you describe where you live today and what feels authentic for you? How did you figure out what was your way?
1: Mm. So I, I identify as a she, her. Also, though, I have to say for the most part because in the German language, there is no such thing as they, them, really. And it's really weird to be um, non-binary, uh, within the German language. So there's, there's that restriction. And to be honest, if it was generally easier and maybe it will be in a hundred or 200 years, um, then I might identify as they, them. And I still, I do identify as a woman when I look at myself, but I'm also not attached to it, you know, but I also don't, I I definitely don't identify as a man and I don't want to be a man, but on like my looks are, maybe, you know, from someone on the outside might maybe think that it's more masculine, but it, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Like, I, I don't care, you know, that short hair more as I wear them, or maybe more what men wear, you know, or or that the clothes that I wear are, you know, sometimes I go into the men's section and just buy stuff there just because I'm also a tall woman. So um, I just do whatever feels good. And, um, but I think there's a part of me that uh, just can't be bothered with like explaining to people what they, them is and all of that stuff, you know? And I, I love that there is more and more non-binary people who stand up for that. And I'm in full support of that. And there needs still to be a lot more work around that. But for me, I'm, I'm happy to be a she, her. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's now more a matter of just not attaching to any sort of, label of what is feminine, what is masculine, and just being who I am. So, yeah.
0: What I'm so struck by is the comfort and the confidence that you have around being yourself. And I think this is a term that we hear a lot, just be you, just do you. And I know that it's actually a lot easier said than done. And I'm wondering, has it always been this easy for you to be yourself? Or like, take us back. What has the journey been like in terms of you coming into a sense of your own authenticity?
1: Mm, Yeah, thank you. So, you know, actually just yesterday I posted on Instagram because it was International Day Against Homophobia, Homophobia and Transphobia and all the things. And so I posted something and I reflected on what the benefit is of being queer and having had to come out as queer. And that's how I identify mainly as as queer, not nece- necessarily as a lesbian or gay or whatever. It's for me, queer works because it kind of covers all the different ways that you can be and, and all the, all the colors of the rainbow. And so, uh, you know, reflecting on why it's actually an awesome thing to be queer and having had a coming out is because what, my coming out I had it when I was 26 with my first girlfriend. And um so I was in the closet for the longest time since you know I was had my first first crush on a girl when I was probably like 13. So that's 13 years of not expressing emotions and feelings around women and hiding my my sexuality sexual identity. And so, you know, when you then have a coming out in the way that I did, that just opened up the floodgates because it gave me confidence in so many ways and like all other areas of life, to be honest, you know, to fully step into who I am, not just in terms of, um, my sexual identity, but in all other ways. So when I look back the last 10 years, I feel like everything that sort of the way that my life turned out and the way that I express myself to the world came from that day when I opened the doors and I said, hello everybody. Um, I'm going to be with women from now on. And because that is such like our sexual identity makes up such a huge part of our identity in general. Right. And so it just, once you do that, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of other queer people, it's like th- that is, it makes us strong, confident people in a way, you know, something that, uh, a heterosexual person never has to experience. Right. So we're almost a little bit ahead of the game. <laughs> um, Because, yeah, having had that experience, I feel like now that that's out, there's nothing worse than having to overcome the fear of telling, or not worse, but like it was just really fucking scary, you know? There's so much shame around it for myself. And so having done that, I'm just like everything else, you know? It's just like, I don't know, it just, uh, it was much easier. And I feel like because of that, It's been much easier for me to fully express my authenticity in the way that I look, in the way that I, how I choose to live my life, in the way that I align my decisions with my values in many other areas of life, because I um, had that breakthrough experience
0: with my coming out. This is, it's so amazing to hear you talk about this, Connie, because I feel like the story could very easily go the other way, right? That you were you were hiding a part of who you were for 13 years and that could have easily led to feelings of not being able to be effective in other areas of life or feel confident or feel like you can be who you are. But it sounds like in the work you've done with yourself, you've actually seen that as a pivot point in your life, a real turning point that actually opened more freedom for you.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I mean that was my journey, right? And for sure, there's uh, you know a lot of people in the queer community who've had very different experiences. And um, however, you know, when I look back at who I was before my coming out, I look like the the average woman with long hair, and I was trying really hard to look really feminine and put on makeup, and I might have even worn the occasional. Skirt, you know, and um, so and like pearl earrings and all that oh sort of stuff. <laughs> 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 and so, <laughs> there's still some evidence on my Facebook profile. It's still alive. Like I'm not ashamed of it. Like that was just who I was at the time. And and I've mm-hmm. learned to love that, Connie, as well. You know, after a while. But um, so in in that respect, yeah. After I had my coming out, I, I was able to. To also then reflect on, do I like the way my hair is? No, okay, I actually always wanted short hair because you know since I was a little child, so let 's just cut them off. awesome, and then I experimented more with how I wanted to look in terms of my clothing and, um, and just how I wanted to live my life and yeah, so in that respect, I'm, I am very grateful that that turned out the way it did and gave yeah. me all the confidence mm.
0: yes you referred to shame and that you've had to work a lot with your own inner shame. And I'm wondering if you can share with us how you've done that.
1: Mm. Oh boy. Oh girl. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Lots, lots, uh, lots of shame in so many ways. I mean, in different areas too. So yeah, there was the shame around you know being in the closet for so many years and, and being ashamed of um having feelings for women and um and then generally sh- i felt a lot of shame for expressing emotions not having the language to express emotions having you know having had the story or adopted the story from especially my dad around that you know showing emotions or crying or or, or being scared or sad is a form of weakness and so so there was a lot of shame around emotions, vulnerability, and um, I didn't realize just how much shame I carried until I was uh, confronted with the fact that, so I was running this very successful travel blog in, in Germany, and you know everything was great on the outside. I was this successful digital nomad living in paradise in Bali, and um, you know, I was selling that lifestyle basically. And however, um, this was now maybe 2014, 15, 16, I was going through a really rough time and going through a lot of depression. And um, I felt like I was just bullshitting people in terms of look at my beautiful life on the outside, having all this freedom, but man, did I suffer on the inside and did I struggle. And um, and so then I, I realized, okay, well, either I'm going to I'm going to have to shut this whole thing down, um, uh, which was also m- making a considerable income, or I have to start sharing um, what's what's alive in me, you know, and share my truth. And, um, and so I decided I was going to explore what it's like to share my truth. And that meant really facing a lot of shame around, um, you know, and back then, like this is only, yeah, like five years ago, um, it's not like Instagram today, like today on Instagram, everybody's talking about their mental health issues and their eating disorders and their sexual identities and whatnot. But this was, that, that wasn't the time yet. And so as I started doing that, um, however, I realized that the more I share about myself and the more, um, vulnerable I make myself, the more I get to connect with people, the more they can see me. Um, and the more I see myself and, um, and the more people actually love me. So it was amazing. And so that was actually huge for me, uh, on my shame healing journey. And so I actually then ended up, I think maybe three years ago or so doing a 30 days of vulnerability challenge on YouTube where I made a video every day about something that I felt ashamed of or embarrassed of and put that out. And, uh, and it was terrifying in the beginning, you know, and, but then at the end of those 30 days, I was just like, I'm going to talk about anything, whatever. And, and so that's been so liberating, you know, for me as a creator, as a creative, as a writer, as a, you know, someone who puts themselves out on the internet is I need to be true to who I am. It doesn't matter if it's in my in my like immediate circle of friends and family or if it's the world. If that's not an alignment and if if there's something that I feel ashamed of, then that then that's an invitation for me to find more healing. Um, And that doesn't mean that I share everything. I actually share less now than I did, but then that's a conscious choice. And I know that you know, there's, I have my own personal boundaries in terms of how much I let people into my life, um, on the internet. And, but then I can, I always know whether is this around shame? is just, is this a boundary? Is this, you know? Um, so that was huge. And I think another thing was, and I mean, we worked together for several years and so we did a, a, a ton of work around me getting in touch with a lot of my vulnerabilities and actually, learning to hold space for myself and for things that um, I would have not known how to feel and um, and just becoming more aware of creating a deeper connection to my emotions in general Mm -hmm. and to stop judging them. Uh, that was huge actually. And I think a lot of the work that we did together
0: really helped me with that. Um, cause I was I, always judging myself. Pause you just for a second. Cause I feel like there's so much gold in what you're saying. So I want to, <laughs> I want to go into how, how you stop being judging your own feelings, but mm. I also want to thank you for speaking to this piece around social media. Because what you're describing, I know there's a lot more vulnerability going on on social media, but the fact that you can name and identify how that discrepancy was going on, like you were portraying one thing to the world and actually something very different was going on internally the i mean the number of times i hear women in my practice talk about that and it's so i think we need to just out it you know that this mm-hmm. is going on that by having so many more images and exposures to other people's lives it's a lot easier to go into that comparison rabbit hole or to also get really incongruent or inauthentic with ourselves if we're if we're putting ourselves out there that way mm-hmm. and then the other thing i want to highlight is is this piece that you talk about around how you make choices around what to share and what not to share. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, I saw Brene Brown talk live uh, several years ago in Denver and she said, vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability at all. Yeah, that's so true. And so I, I, I'm wondering how do you make those discernments of what you share and what you don't share, given that it, it has been one of the places where you've been healing your shame is through sharing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, you know, that's a really good question. So I think it's a learning process, you know, that I also had to go through. Um, but I think the more I got to know myself, uh, and also, especially the more I learned how to identify um, sort of signals from my body, which is, that's what I trust. So I am by now gladly very in tune with my intuition and very connected to my body. And so I, I know when it's fear, I know when it's, you know, whatever other emotion self-sabotage or, or when it's just the boundary, you know, and when I need to respect that as well. So the way that I make those decisions is usually... Um, and this just depends when I'm going through a really rough time. Let's say last year, like about six months ago, I went through a breakup and that was a really, really tough time. And I felt so raw and so vulnerable. And yeah, there's people who might maybe share that process. I just needed to do this alone. I needed to not talk about this on social media. I maybe mentioned it, but I didn't share any details. I just knew that this was my time to go inwards. And I actually stepped away quite a bit from social media and, and sharing myself because I needed to just, yeah, face myself and, and all those shadows and all that pain in, um, you know, in private. And so, but then eventually I, I, you know, usually I share once I know that I've learned something from an experience. So I look at it as, as like a hero's journey. Let's say that this breakup was a hero's journey. And as I then come back home from that adventure that I went on, it was really, really fucking challenging and painful, but I made it through and I've come back home and then I have lessons to share. Now, this is for me, the value, the medicine that I can then, you know, give to the people, to my followers, to my community. um, And then it makes it worthwhile for me to share my vulnerabilities around something because I can then also combine it with the learnings you know, that that um, I've taken along the way. And rather than just sort of dumping my experience, oh, this is what's happening right now. I'm really, you know, I don't, for me as a content creator, I'm not just here to share my experience. I'm here to provide value. I'm here to contribute. I'm here to share my medicine, right? And so so that's how I look at it. And, and rather than just unfiltered sharing of thoughts and emotions, you know, Um, and I've definitely come to discern.
0: Beautiful. Mm -hmm. This, I love how you're speaking about this. And I feel like if anybody's listening for someone who who does share online, you referring to coming back home
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and being able to distill and grok and put forward the lessons from the experience doesn't mean it has to be perfectly tied up in a bow or you know that there's no more vulnerability around it anymore but that there's a little bit more of that witness who can know how to share something in a way that's valuable as opposed to just that dumping that you're describing that I think that's a great distinction
1: well and also I want to add that you know sometimes though I also know when I'm not sharing and when it gets it's almost like I feel like I'm not sharing my truth Mm -hmm. so when I feel like I'm not being really truthful then I know oh okay I think this is an invitation for me to now share what's going on for me maybe because I have been struggling just to let people know and a lot of times obviously it's also like people really appreciate that you know they don't always just want to see me being strong and happy like that's just not, I mean, it's just not real. And so I try to be as real as possible because that's the other thing, right? We, I, I don't just want to share when I'm in a good place. I also really want to be like, look, this is the reality of fucking life and it doesn't matter who you are. And so, yeah. And so sometimes I can just feel it in my body when I'm like, um, oh, I feel like I'm withholding my truth, even though maybe I might still be in something, mm-hmm. you know, but then I just share it in a way that, that feels liberating again. And at that, that, uh, I get, I let people see me, you know, a bit as I'm struggling and, but I know where these boundaries are by now. Yeah.
0: It's so powerful to hear you talk about it, Connie. And I, and it's beautiful role modeling, you know, because what it does is it, it actually keeps, you keep taking yourself off of the projective pedestal, I like to say, you know, because you're being real about what's going on for you, but you also have that self-awareness with the boundaries so that you're not blowing yourself out on social media. But I just love how conscious you're being. It's Thank you for mm-hmm. doing that. I think that we could use more and more of that in those spaces. It's it's important because because it is a part of modern life. It is a part of how we're sharing and connecting. And the more authentic role models, the more models that we have of what it is to do healthy boundaries on social media, the better for all of us.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, all I really want is that when people, they connect with me online and when they then meet me on the street, I want to be exactly that same Kanye. I don't, I don't want to put on any sort of mask. I don't want to pretend I'm anything I'm not. Like I, yeah, there, I want to share my vulnerabilities and not just the good days, but also the bad days in a way, because yeah, that's just who I am. And I'm not here to pretend otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then so then you were starting to go into this piece around how you have learned, and you've referred to it many times around feeling your body sense or trusting your intuition, and you were describing how you've learned to not judge or sort of push away your emotional experiences, even though that was more how you were trained as a young person. So mm-hmm. can you take us behind the curtain and... For anybody who's listening who's trying to be more accepting or compassionate of different feeling states, like how how did you do it? Because this is not an easy <laughs> thing to do.
1: Oh man, it is one of that was one of the hardest things for me to learn. And it continues to be a practice. It's not like, oh, I figured it out now and now I'm a feeling professional. But I so I mean several things. It was definitely a a long journey of awakening to my feelings and emotions and especially to understand that. Um, and I think the work that we did together, um, the somatic work, the connecting me to where emotions sit in the body and like tracing them from when they start, to maybe when they end or like how the wave is going, you know, in and out um, to, to just bring awareness to that. And I remember, very vividly actually when we had sessions in the beginning and I just couldn't connect to that. I'm like, I'm not feeling it or I didn't want to or it just felt uncomfortable or I felt too raw doing this with someone else and I felt really like yeah, you know, shame and like embarrassment and and so I would stop myself from like going to certain places emotionally you know, so I, I remember that um, very much and but the more, you wouldn't let go and so we just... <laughs> practicing, (laughs) Uh, which is great, obviously, because that's what we need. And you just go a little bit further every time. And so that's somatic work. That was huge over the years, over this long period of time that we worked together. Um, Because I definitely needed a long time to to get there and to feel comfortable and to also be doing this work with someone else, right? So so that was huge. Um, The other thing was definitely also Uh, about eight years ago when I was initiated on my spiritual journey, um, and my path of awakening after a big breakup that kind of ripped open my heart and I started doing yoga and meditation. And so, um, that, so those two practices in themselves, right? I mean, yoga helped me to just get more in touch with my body in general, just actually feel my body. Like, no, I had a body, (laughs) so, um, and, and for some reason, yoga, I stuck with yoga, even though I hated wearing yoga pants, because that was way too feminine. But <laughs> now, now, now I love wearing yoga pants. So anyway, um, so yoga really helped me. And also, you know, I started with the very yang yoga, and then also started doing more yin yoga, I even did my yoga teacher training a few years ago. And we did a lot of like tantra yoga stuff. And just getting more in touch with the physicality of my body and and then also um, feeling things in my body, feeling energy in my body, you know? So that was huge. And then meditation, obviously. I mean, that was huge as well. I mean, I have a really, really active mind, and I continue to do so. Um, but it's definitely calmed down a lot over the years. But I still, I mean, I meditate every day. And I also teach meditation. But am I the best meditator? By far not. But I've really learned um, so much about meditation. And I've tried out all sorts of ways to meditate and all sorts of different practices and techniques. And like, <laughs> I really went all out, read all the books, done all the courses. So, I yeah of course um meditation has for sure allowed me to learn how to sit with myself um and to observe and to I mean 8 years ago when i read you know totally Eckhart uh, a new earth that was my first book and, uh, like personal development book and when when that's when i realized oh wait so i'm not just my thoughts and there's like a gap and i can like um i can like uh, detach my thoughts, from my emotions. And and then, so once I learned that uh, my emotions are just raw physical uh, expressions of what's going on, it's just a reaction to something, to maybe a thought or to what's going on externally. and And to be able to then just learn how to witness rather than be it. Like, I mean, it's still... You know, I mean, there was <laughs> last week. I was um, there were a couple of days where I was crying and where I, I really, you know, struggled to remind myself of the lesson. And it's an it's an in and out, right? It's like there is um, on a rational level, it's always more. It always makes more sense. But when you're in it, obviously, there's still that struggle. But it's been, it's gotten so much better, and I can also now. Like as I went through the breakup last year, I was able to actually sit down with myself and like feel the pain and just feel the pain and the sadness and the loneliness and just feel it. And to to get to that place, pff, that was huge um, to even just allow myself to have these feelings and not judge them as like, oh, this is good and this is not good, you know?
0: It's such a breakthrough, Connie. And it's, I love what you're talking about because you're describing the empowerment of a contemplative practice. You know, in this podcast, we're always looking and talking about what helps women get to the next level of their own psychological empowerment. And what I hear you describing is that you've really worked so hard to strengthen this witness capacity, like the ability to see yourself, to observe yourself and to be with emotions, but have some part of you online that's not getting completely swallowed by them.
1: Yes. And just actually allowing, just allowing, like actually giving myself permission to feel like that is, that was just a huge game changer rather than trying to not feel something. Cause that would end up in depression. And once I understood that depression is just suppression of feelings, it's just the smoothie of sadness and loneliness and fear combined suppressed in my body. And then I end up depressed. So, and, and so then I understood, okay, so I actually got to feel that shit. And, and then doing that and not beating myself up for it, not feeling ashamed for it to just really allow the experience in as it happens, being okay. Like also just like accepting that I'm a sensitive human being, I'm a cancer and just I don't know. I've, I've always been really sensitive and to, to be okay with that, right? And so the judgment part, that is so huge around feeling, I find, because we have all this conditioning and programming around what feelings are and the stories that we attach to certain feelings and emotions. And then also actually learning the difference between feelings and emotions, you know, that like emotions are like, that's what, like the reactions, like a physical reaction to to something um, that happens. And the feelings are more the the narrative (laughs) around the emotions, you know. So understanding that and just, yeah, um, that was probably one of the biggest pieces, just to actually stop judging myself (laughs) for a (laughs) feeling.
0: Thank you for doing this work with yourself, Connie. It's powerful to hear you talk about it. And I can imagine for people who are listening, it's inspiring. Like there, there actually is a way to come to a new place of being with yourself where you're not judging yourself for what's going mm-hmm. on. And yeah. that's, it's incredible role modeling. Mm, so, thank you. So, yeah. Can you tell me at this point on your journey, because clearly you've done so much learning, so much work so many different systems and methodologies. How do you know when you've broken through to the next level of psychological freedom in yourself? Like, what are the signs or the indicators that you've, you've broken through something?
1: Damn, Emma. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is a really good question. So I usually understand that something has shifted when I'm faced with a situation that I feel like I've been in before, but my reaction to it is differently or the way I, I feel about it or think about it or, or something, the way I deal with it is different or the outcome is different. And so, and that then shows me, cause I know how many times we've had calls, you know, over all those years where after, you know, a while of, making a lot of progress and, you know, doing a lot of that work. And then I would have, feel, and then I felt like I had a setback and then I'd be like, Am I nothing's working. I'm, not, I'm still where I you know, was two years ago and I'm not progressing and I keep on making the same mistakes. I'm not learning. I'm a lost case. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then you were there to remind me of the growth that I've gone through and how this situation is different to last time I faced a similar situation. And so, a lot of times, it's good to get the reminder from the outside because sometimes when we're in it, we can't actually see how far we've come. (laughs) So true, so true. Right? You just we sit like yeah, we sit in our own juice, and (laughs) so. um, But yeah, so so that's that's usually when I when I notice. Okay, actually, at first I'm like shit. I'm in the same situation, and then as it unfolds, then I have new tools and maybe. I still have a similar emotional reaction. But what I've also noticed is that um, over the years, maybe I have similar situations or experience similar situations, but um, they don't impact me as much anymore. Or like the, the suffering doesn't last as long anymore, right? So let's say, you know, I've gone through quite a lot of breakups over the last eight years. And some of them were just, I mean it was really a lot of dark nights of the soul and rock bottoms and, and a lot of depression. And, you know, with the last one, of course, it was really hard and difficult. And I feel like I've, I went through it so consciously that I, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like it traumatized me that experience. Whereas a lot of other breakups actually I felt like they were traumatizing experiences because I couldn't fully process them. And, and also, um the other thing that where I can see that I've made a leap is that my heart is opens up quicker again, you know, and um, where I don't hold on to, I, like, I go through the phases, of course, and, and then there's anger, and then there's this, but there's, there's a part of me that, um, that reminds itself that I'm love, and everybody else in my life is love. And, um, and then I can come back to that place quicker and
0: and then forgive myself and others so powerful Connie to hear about and I think I think you and I have had this conversation I have this conversation a lot how how health is really about our ability to recover it's Mm -hmm. not a fantasy that we're not going to get injured again yes yeah You know, because I think we can get into these idealistic or perfectionist states where it's like, oh, I'll be healthy or healed or more evolved or more conscious when I don't get hurt, when things don't affect me in the same way. And of course, yeah, the way they affect us might change. But as long as we're human, we're vulnerable to all the things that we're vulnerable to as humans, heartache, loss, physical injury, death, not getting what we want, disappointment, all those things. Mm -hmm. And what I love about your description is how you're tracking in yourself your ability to actually sequence the emotion, not feel as traumatized as you described, and then also being able to return to a more open-hearted state in in a faster, more authentic way than you used to be able to.
1: Mm, Yeah, totally. And you know, I mean, there was a time in my life where I thought I could get this whole healing thing over with within a year. And I did all the workshops and went to all the retreats and did all the therapy and whatever. And I I totally overdosed on all the things (laughs) that you could do. (laughs) And then I had to just realize a year later, I'm like, well, shit, this is only just maybe one or two layers into an onion with a lot of layers. And so, Yeah, to just really learn to be patient, that was also really hard for me
0: to Mm. be patient. Mm. Thank you for speaking to that, Connie, because I think that's another symptom of our world is that we think we can just like be wham, bam, one and done kind of thing with, with healing. But what you're describing is it's actually a way that you've embraced life differently. And that's an ongoing orientation. It's not just like, you go from point A to point B and you're done and you don't have to do it again.
1: No, like I think I've come to realize over the last year that this is life. Like th- there, it, there is no goal of not suffering anymore. Like I've, I've given up on that and it's not that uh, I'm not uh, like given up on having a happy life or anything, but it's just, I've just surrendered to the ups and downs of life because without judging it, you know, and um and I listened to this Ram Das thing the other day and, you know, when you can be in a place where you can fall in love with the suffering, then I don't know like that, that, because this is life, right? Like this is life and I'm here to experience it fully and I'm willing to experience it fully. And of course, you know, also over the last couple of months and going through this whole Corona thing and, and dealing with my own, um, Shadows that have come up through this, and, and loneliness, and and whatnot. I mean, it's not that I'm I'm not calling them in, and I'm not. But when they show up, I give them space, and I'm I'm also just more curious rather than judgmental. So now I'm more. I've learned to be more curious of my shadows and of my sadness and of the the triggers and of you know whatever, rather than oh, fuck this. Now I've got to do this again. Now I'm like, no, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's see what this has in store. (laughs) So that has been big shift also actually,
0: yeah. My heart is singing right now. I have like a huge (laughs) smile on my face (laughs) to hear you say this, Connie, is Mm. tremendous for Mm. you to to be able to offer that curiosity to these different parts of yourself instead of all the resistance and the backing away from it. I mean, what a huge transformation for you.
1: Yeah. See, it's good that we're talking about this now. Cause yeah, actually there has been quite a bit of a transformation and, and to, yeah, I think as a, as a, as one takeaway, maybe from this podcast, it's like, instead of being judgmental about, you know, all these perceived negative feelings, it's like, how can we be more curious about them and how can we be the explorer? How can we go on this hero's journey and, and just, and see what happens and and take it as part of the adventure of life rather than setbacks and disappointments. And, you know, life happens uh, to me, you know, but, but understanding that obviously it all happens for us because it's all happening. So the more, and I've resisted all the things in my life and all the, all the negative feelings, and that's just caused me so much more pain and suffering. And to go into a place of acceptance and curiosity without getting too lost in the victimization of it or without getting too lost, you know, because I also know what that's like to be scared to to get stuck in these emotions. Because I remember also sessions where we had where I was talking about and sharing that how scared I am, like when sadness comes on or when loneliness comes on, when I feel really depressed, that I'm really scared I, I can't get out of it anymore, that it will last forever. Yeah. And that is actually something that I want to ask you because... I spoke to a few people about this. Is it normal to when you're in it that you always feel like it's never going to end, that feeling? Like, especially around sadness and loneliness. Because I'm like, what is that evolution? Like, in terms of our evolution, what's the point of feeling like it's not going to end?
0: That is such a good question. I feel like I have an answer to the first part, but not the second (laughs) part, which, yes, it is normal. It is normal when we're in pain, it's also, it's like physical pain, any form of pain, when, when the acuteness of that pain is there, actually, maybe I'm coming up with an answer for the second part, but is oh, cool. I think it's going to last forever. And we, it's almost like we forget all of our other experience in that acute pain and suffering. And we think this is the only thing that's going to remain. And I, this is speculation. This is, you know, but as I'm saying this, I think part of why that happens is because it gets us to pay attention. So with physical pain, if we hurt something, it then it, it insists that we pay attention to it, that we deal with it, that we care for it. And if we translate that to emotional pain, it's okay, if you're pr- lonely and in the heart of the pain of loneliness, you have to pay attention to it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, it's just so interesting how you know, let's say I find myself in a time of a lot of sadness and I'm like really in it and, and I'm feeling it's not, it's not, that's it. Like I'm just going to be sad forever. And then I come out of it and then I look back at it. And I'm like, why did you ever think you weren't going to come out of it? That is just so silly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why can't you see it when you're in it? that you will be okay, that you will come out of that. Why can you still not tell your monkeys that it's going to be fine? (laughs) That is what I find still a little frustrating.
0: (laughs) So this is, because I was going to ask you, Connie, like where do you still feel stuck or trapped in your psychology as a woman? And would you say, is this the place where it's, it's like not being able to see or to trust that you're going to come out of it?
1: Sometimes yeah. So when it when it gets real bad, um then that I mean, I always come out and I come out quicker than I used to. But sometimes there's still at times these yeah, these moments of shit. I'm uh I don't know if I'll ever get out of this. And but then I always do. Um and I guess and it, and it gets better. I guess the the phases where I go through these lows and where I feel like that and, and lost in the emotion of it, they are, you know, they're more spaced out. So, and I guess the other area where maybe I still, well, not maybe where, where I still feel stuck is uh, less stuck than I used to be for sure. But, you know, relationships, I mean, it's, I definitely had the last relationship was definitely the healthiest, that I've had in a very long time and, and that was great. And I feel like the breakup also, even though it was painful, but it was definitely a more conscious conscious way to separate than I've had before. So that's really good. Um, and you know, I recently started seeing what's out there again and, um, and I just, ah, and I think that comes back to what we were just saying about really reminding ourselves that, there has been a lot of growth, we just maybe can't see it quite yet. And I actually just had a situation where at first I thought, Oh, no, 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 this is just this reminds me of four years ago, five years ago. And then also, see, as as I move through the situation, and now I'm realizing, no, 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 this is actually very different, right? So there, I guess the idea of being stuck, is just a story that I would keep telling myself, but I'm deciding to tell myself a different story hmm. and then and as it turns out then I'm having a different experience.
0: Can you repeat that? No, cuz that's really powerful what you just said. Yeah.
1: As I realize that I want to and I have to tell myself a new story around a similar situation, I actually end up having a new experience. And when I open up, even the possibility that I can have a different experience, even though I think it's it's the same one that I've had maybe before. So, and that that actually was a huge um, realization a while back, where I realized that in the end, aren't we all just made up of stories that we tell ourselves, and we walk through the world, and we're all just looking and beliefs. I mean, beliefs are stories, right? And so. And then we walk through the world and all we do is we look for confirmation of our stories that we tell ourselves. Is that confirmation bias? And so if I wanna have a new experience, I gotta I gotta tell myself some new stories. I gotta write a I gotta write a new script here. So um and then also making new decisions in terms of because that's what then helps me to
0: create a new story. And you know, the other Ding ding ding. I have to like hit a bell (laughs) on that one because that is so critical because I think we can hear a lot of like, just tell yourself a different story and life will change. But, but making different decisions, Connie, this is gorgeous because, and I don't want to interrupt you too much, but when you make a different decision, you get a different outcome, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. So exactly. And so I think what we hope for as humans is like, I'm just going to tell myself a new story and I'll just do some reprogramming and then I'll have a new experience and I'll have more self-worth and self-love and all the things. But that's, I don't think it's that easy either. It's really about if I, because the other day I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she was like, I'm doing all the things for my self-worth and like I'm doing all the meditation and the morning routine and this and that and the healthy diet and whatnot. And I'm still having whatever experiences where I feel like my self-worth is shit. And I'm like, yeah, but you're also making the same decisions as you did before. So you're actually not showing yourself that you have more self-respect and that you are worthy of more. So, and that was also advice given to myself. (laughs) And so so I realized that, yeah, it's not enough to just do the self-care and the meditation and the therapy and the whatnot. I actually have to show up differently for myself if I want to get I'm stuck. And so, what that means in practical terms, in terms of dating and relationships, I cannot allow myself to say yes to women where I feel on a nervous system level that I'm really anxious or they make me really anxious or because I have a very anxious attachment style. And um, I cannot say yes to someone who is clearly not. Um, available maybe, or or I cannot say yes to someone who doesn't show up the way I need them to. So that is for me to then, you know, learn about my own boundaries and then having to make decisions based on those new boundaries. Because if I keep, if I let these people in, then of course my inner child is going to be like, well, you're not taking care of me, you know, like, and then I'm going to feel shit again because I actually ignored myself. I didn't respect myself and my own boundaries. And I actually don't think I'm worthy of someone to show up for me. So I just, yeah, need to still learning. I mean, it's gotten much better, but still learning to make new decisions and to make them early on.
0: Yeah, this, I mean, I'm just, I couldn't be more thrilled, Connie, to hear you so empowered with all of these frameworks and the ways of working with yourself because I really hear so much self-responsibility going on Mm. here is like you can learn and study and do all these things as much as you want. But if you're not (sighs) going to actually apply it to the day in day out decisions and realities and relationships of your own life, then you're going to find yourself in the same cycle of feeling really disempowered, very much in the victim experience of yourself And I hear you breaking free again, like in these ways that you're taking newer or larger amounts of responsibility for yourself.
1: Mm. Yeah. And do you know, I mean, I think that we all think that it's enough. And I'm glad you point this out too. It's enough to just do the inner work and read all the books and do all the courses and whatnot. And it's not. It's actually, we... The implementation is in the decisions that we make, and it's not just in terms of relationships, but it's in terms of work, it's in terms of family, it's in terms of, and that starts with being really clear on um, what shows me that I'm worthy, and and what decision, what decision can I make that would show me that I'm worthy of you know something more, bigger, or healthier, and so um, is it easy? Hell no! It's scary because. It's a path that I have to still learn to walk on confidently. Is it easy for me to say no to a woman that I feel really attracted to, but that's not like, no, I want love. I want acceptance. Like my anxious attachment style is just like, ah, love me, you know, and I will totally ignore my boundaries for you and (laughs) give you everything (laughs) like But also, the more I've learned about that, and I'm actually rereading the book Attached right now about the attachment styles, because, you know, and I think that really helps also to get unstuck, or has helped in the past, is to just understand I'm not crazy. Uh, There's other people like me who struggle with the same issues. There's nothing wrong with me. I just, first of all, have to accept myself for who I am and the vulnerabilities that I have. And then I have to learn how to communicate that. And then I have to learn how to make new decisions.
0: So. Right on. I'm just, I'm having huge applause and celebration of everything mm-hmm. you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I also failed recently a little bit. So I'm just saying <laughs> like, I'm still very much like a, with a learner's permit.
0: <laughs> but I mean, but that's you keeping it real, right? Like back to the whole yeah. Instagram thing, which I is just so refreshing about you, Connie, is how how much consciousness and growth and wisdom you carry and then also how real you are about how imperfect the whole thing is which is true for all of us so thank you for yeah. speaking to it
1: yeah so, I, I just still want to reiterate i don't have it all figured out at all i i'm a i'm a work in progress every single day and i still make a ton of mistakes or just yeah
0: yes yeah <laughs> So I'm sure people who are listening are like, who is this woman? I need to know more about her. And so tell us a little bit about, you mentioned some, but like, what is your work looking like right now these days? And how can people, what's the best way for them to connect with you? And also what's, what's on the horizon for you? Like, What are your next levels of growth or professional output looking like right now?
1: Yeah, sure. Oh man, there's so much going on right now. I feel like I've been in a really huge creative sort of phase of my life. And um, so I'm a, I'm a creator. I'm a writer. I, I love, I do a lot of YouTube videos and I I, I love storytelling and I I'm just about actually my book is coming out in Germany in German in a couple of weeks which is huge.
0: Congratulations. Um, that's amazing. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I know it's huge but um and then we hope to get um to find a publisher either in the states or in England and and have it translated into English. Um but that's all about it's called Find Your Magic it's all about how to find your calling and and really just find your truth and express your truth. Um after you know for me having gone through Uh, a lot of, like having experienced a lot of traveling and, and I always thought that I would find my purpose and the answer to all my questions out there in the world only to realize that it's all within. And, and so I share a lot of what helped me on my journey in that book. Um, and other than that, you know, I'm about to start a new podcast called the breath circle, um, which is all about breath work and, uh, the transformational power of the breath. Um, and Yeah. So I'm working on that a lot. I just finished up, um, 30 days of meditation challenge. Um, so that was huge. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I I write a lot. I, I have a podcast as well. Uh, that's my own podcast. It's, it's the create podcast. And I just really enjoy, I don't know, taking every day and ask myself, what is one creative act that I can do today? And And then I do that. And for the most part, yes, it's writing, it's making videos, it's podcasting, it's photography. Um, and it's mainly at the intersection of the creative process, self-exploration, mindfulness. I'm really into psychology and Carl Jung. I'm, explore- I'm reading his uh, *Man and his symbols right now, which I really find really fascinating. Um, and just exploring myself and, um, and help others on their hero's journey. And then I guess I, you know what I figured out recently, it's that I'm really into both worlds of the inhale, which for me is the inner work. It's the therapy, the coaching, it's the, it's the meditation, it's the self-care, it's the shadow work, it's all of that. That's the inhale, right? That the, the nourishment also. And then on the other side is the exhale. And that is when, as I said earlier, that's when you know, we share our medicine with the world. And that's when we creatively express ourselves and when we're of service and when we contribute our creative energies um, to other people's lives. And so that's, I feel like, is what my calling is, is to help people support them on, as they inhale and then as they exhale. So that's that.
0: Connie, I mean you're you're just a really really incredible role model on so many levels and I thank you for taking the time to be with us today and for sharing yourself so vulnerably and authentically and with a sense of humor and your work it, it couldn't be a more perfect expression of your journey as a person and the inner work you've done and also all the tools and resources you've collected along the way so it just it feels like an incredibly authentic contribution so i want to thank you for your work in the world and i know it makes a huge difference for people's lives
1: thank you for seeing me yeah thank you
0: <laughs> yeah okay so last question before we wrap up is if i handed you a microphone and today i see you have your very special <laughs> podcasting microphone but if i handed you a microphone and a venue, a platform where every single woman in the world could hear and receive your message, mm-hmm. what would you want them to hear?
1: Hmm. That is just a very tiny little question to in <laughs> this podcast with. Yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, it depends what kind of women are in front of me, but I think um, if this goes out, To any woman out there, and then it probably also just goes out, maybe to any human in the world out there, is don't be afraid to face your shadows um, and learn to be courageous to love your shadows and all other shades of gray and all other colors and bring them into the light and reflect on everything that you currently have in your life and whatever you've manifested in the past and however you're living your life and how you're expressing yourself and tune into your body and see what things are a hell yeah and what are not and tune into whatever it is that you have in your life and see if it feels expansive or if it feels contracting and the more you check in with yourself on that level I think the more based on intuition we can all live and the more in alignment and the more in alignment we are, the more we can share our medicine with the world and because it comes from an aligned place. So, so that's what I got. <laughs> and don't be afraid to feel because it's actually, it's kind of cool, actually.
0: <laughs> Connie, thank you so much for sharing your medicine with us today. I'm really mm. grateful to have had you on the show. Thank you so much, Emma. That was fun. Thank you so much for listening to the women today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world whoever you are, and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.